We are continuing our series on how to have the good life now. And as we've been studying this series, I have certainly become appreciative of of Solomon. And you think about his willingness to sit down with his son and explain to him all of these things about life and how to handle these various challenges. And we've looked at so many different areas up to this point that are practical life lessons that his son would certainly come across in his life. How many of us, though, had had parents who sat down and told us about the dangers of anger? <laughs> no, I'm either. <laughs> you know, it's a, a, a difficult emotion that all of us deal with, and yet I find it fascinating that Solomon sat down with his son and said, look, You need to learn some things about dealing with anger. And as I just think about that for a moment, that's something I really appreciate that Solomon was willing to do. Because, you know, as parents, and I'll get to find out here soon enough, that, you know, sitting down with your child and explaining them things is kind of nerve-wracking. And, you know, you kind of have a hard time doing that. And it's interesting, all of the different details uh, that Solomon is willing to bridge with his son from sexual morality into wealth and possessions and uh, foolishness in life, things like that. And so here he spends an awful lot of time talking about to his son how to be able to control anger. Some of the things that really Solomon spends time trying to help his son in avoiding uncontrolled anger is to explain the effects of anger. And I think... That's an important way to begin with really any topic uh, in talking to your son or your daughter as well. Look at what happens if you do these things. My dad did that a lot with me. You know, this is what happened to me. Uh, This will happen to you, so don't do these things. And, And Solomon is doing that here as well as he is going to list a few things that are obvious effects of what happens toward us when we allow uncontrolled anger to take place. And the first thing I want to look at that Solomon touches on is that we end up acting foolishly. Look at this proverb with me. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. A quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. Now, I don't suppose any of us want to deny the truth of that proverb because as though we may not want to accept it in our own lives, we see it all the time in the world around us. And you think, you know, isn't that dumb for that fellow to go chasing that other guy down the highway just because he almost, you know, caused a wreck or whatever, and so now he's going to go cause yet another wreck. And, you know, it's just a very basic premise that... When anger is uncontrolled, we do some really dumb things. And that's what he's just saying here. And you've probably seen it. You've been to a store where you see somebody just letting that sales clerk have it. Just lay them out to the ground, blow up central. Well, you really respect that person, don't you? (laughs) No, you sit there and go, 
Man, what is wrong with that guy? What? Foolishness. You're revealing foolishness. And that's all Solomon is saying here is you do really dumb things in life when you allow anger to take over the emotion and you react split second from that emotion. He says, you are going to do some really foolish things in life. In fact, I like the word reckless. And that is the case. We wonder how we see these things in our society today. You turn on local news and you go, what are people doing? That's what they're doing. (laughs) They're allowing uncontrolled anger to rule their decision making. That's what's going on. When it's first started, you have, you know, uh, now the term of road rage. And you wonder, how in the world do you go down the highway and go shoot somebody over something like that? Well... Because you've lost your mind in a sense. Now that's what he's saying here is, is you become reckless. You do foolish things. And so recognize that's an effect, that we will act foolishly. And the Proverbs are very interesting about that. And we're going to spend some time in the future uh, on some future lessons about foolishness. But I don't think there's anybody here who wants to be called a fool. Nobody's, you know, uh, old Brent there, he's just an outright fool. <laughs> He does foolish things day in and day out. And I just see foolishness. That's abrasive. How dare you say I'm a damn fool? You can't call me a fool. He's never called me some kind of fool like that. Notice what he says here. Uncontrolled anger. Foolishness. Complete foolishness. Notice also causes strife. And I think this is very important to recognize. An angry man stirs up strife. And a hot-tempered man commits many sins. I'm going to ask you, and I think this is something to consider, uh, how many relationships problems have been solved through uncontrolled anger? (laughs) When's the last time your outburst of wrath brought an out apology? Uh, you'll see it all the time. The sales clerk just, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll do whatever you want. No, what happens is you have an escalation. That's what, that's what takes place. And that's what here Solomon is trying to explain to his son is, you know, what you stir up is conflict. You really bring about an escalation of the situation. You and I in our own minds, we think this is going to resolve the problem. The person who I am angry with will do what I want them to do with this expression of anger. That will cause them to go, oh, now I see it your way, and will suddenly do what you want them to do. Well, it happens all the time, doesn't it? (laughs) No, no, it doesn't happen all the time. In fact, it rarely happens. Is that the end result? And that's what Solomon is trying to, to bring out here. Here's a very good visual. For as churning the milk produces butter, and the twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. That's that's a beauty picture right there. What's going to happen if I go up and bop you in the nose? (laughs) Just twist on your nose. There's only one result. There's no other alternative. That's what Solomon is saying here. It's not like, oh, well, that feels great. You know, thank you. No, there's only one result. Pain and blood in the same way. Stirring up anger produces conflict. It produces strife. It causes problems. And you and I have to recognize that that is the end result of our anger. That is what we are going to have happen. We are not going to have capitulation. We're not going to have apology. We're not going to have our way. We're going to have a conflict. 
And you and I have to recognize that's the end result of allowing that anger to happen. That's also interesting. The person with uncontrolled anger, those Proverbs say that person cannot be taught. And I find that real interesting. That kind of goes down the road of the fool. And Proverbs over and over again talk about how the fool cannot learn, cannot be taught. You can beat him in the back. He'll never learn things like that. Well, same thing along the lines of anger. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, you have to realize when Solomon says that, you have to put that kind of graph that on a chart because he has said many times in the Proverbs, there's no hope for a fool. <laughs> the fool is completely lost. The fool has no sense. The fool will not do what is right and they're going to put themselves through all sorts of pain. And then he goes on and says, but the one who's hasty in words, he's, he's got even less hope than that. That's really bad. That would be really and that's often what anger is about, is we're often very hasty with our words. So we're not thinking rationally about carefully what words should we say. We're usually just flying off the tongue, very upset. And so we see that. The same, same thing with this proverb. A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue him, he'll have to do, you'll have to do it again. <laughs> and I think that's interesting to tell his son that. You're going to cause problems. The hot-tempered man, the uncontrolled anger, you will experience trouble. That's what Jesus says there. But the funny thing is, if you try to go rescue that one, he's just going to go right back into it. He's not going to learn this was the reason it happened. And I think that's such an interesting proverb, is is that he says, you know, we, we don't learn from the mistake of uncontrolled anger, we often engage in it over and over and over again, and that's what he's trying to draw out. Even if we pay the penalty and deal with consequences in our relationships with people that we deal with, we still seem to revert back to anger. And so he's saying, realize that that's going to keep happening. It also means we become defenseless. I like uh, the, the pictures here. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. And I think that's a, a very interesting picture. Of course, to us in our society, we, we uh, don't have an awful lot of cities with walls. But remember, that's the primary defense system. Uh, with the walls down, uh, the weakness is exposed and conquering can be with relative ease. And as I was saying, you and I are exposed. Our, our, our weaknesses is completely open when we lack self-control. When we are unable with those emotions to stop those and control those feelings, control that anger, put it under wraps and deal with it in a proper way, when we just allow it to be an outburst of wrath and explode, he says, you realize you are opening yourself up to trouble. You're opening yourself up to weakness. I'd say it this way, you've opened yourself up to Satan. He's going to nail you with that. He's going to hit you over and over and over again with that. And so beware. How about this? Did you ever think about this final one? Uncontrolled anger is contagious. Uh, is this like a disease you catch? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. That's an interesting proverb because I think I would have wrote the proverb, do not be around a hot-tempered man because he's going to blow you out one day. You know, that'd be the way I would have wrote that proverb. That's not what he says. He says, you will learn to act the exact same way. And I think that's really important for us to understand because most of us, I think, who, who deal with this problem, I'll put my hand in the air for you, uh, we learned it likely 
from our family. We likely had some family member who engaged in that. And that's how we learned to deal with it. And that's what I want you to see is that Solomon steps on this and says, this is something we learned. So much so that you can pass it to somebody else if they're around you long enough, they'll act that way too. None of us want to teach our children to act that way. I don't think our parents wanted to teach that to us. <laughs> you know, they didn't want that to happen, but it happened. And we learn those traits. And we can pass that to our children. They can learn those traits to our spouse, to our friends. It's very easy to act the same way as somebody else. It's kind of a weird situation. Can I relate it to golfing for a minute? I play really good golf when I play with people better than me. But with people who play a lot worse than me, I play like my worst game. You kind of just match people you're around. And the scriptures repeatedly talk about you kind of are who you are with. In fact, next week I plan to do a lesson on who are you hanging out with? Who do you spend your time with? Because you become like them. If you were around the hot-tempered, uncontrolled, angry person, guess what? You learn to be that way. And so Solomon is warning his son that you will learn those ways and you yourself will entrap your soul. In fact, I like the New King James which says there, and set a snare for your soul. You're putting your own soul in jeopardy by being around those people because you will adapt those traits to yourself and you will justify in your mind that it's okay to act that way. They act that way. My parents acted that way. My brother and sister acted that way. Whoever it is. We will justify it. And that's one reason I think we often have a difficult time with anger. is because we have seen it in our own childhood. We've seen it from our parents or grandparents or whoever else there is in the family that had an impact in our lives. And we think, well, that's the way you do it. That's the way you handle it. When you feel wronged, when something unfair has happened, When some injustice has taken place against you, their answer is uncontrolled anger. And we have to learn that Solomon is saying that's a choice that you and I cannot make. We entrap our souls if we do that. So he goes on and talks about to his son three reasons why his son ought to control his anger. And I think it's interesting to notice some of the positives that come out of being a person of self-restraint. And the first is that he says, by being able to control our anger, we reveal quite a bit of strength. Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures his city. And if you think about that proverb long enough, that is extraordinarily true. The amount of strength that is required to keep our emotions in check and deal with them properly is immense. An immense amount of strength. Far more strength than is required to sum up an army and go up against a city and conquer it. And that's what Solomon is saying. Do you realize the amount of restraint and self-control that's required? Which Solomon is essentially telling us, this isn't an easy thing to do. And by no means should we walk away today and think, oh, it's just real easy to control anger. Absolutely not. It's very hard. That's what he's saying here. That kind of strength is what is reflected in the person who can constrain that anger, who can keep those emotions in check and be slow to anger and not be the hot-tempered one as was previously talked about. So think about, we reveal strength. Often, we think we're revealing strength through the anger. 
And when you think about our justification in our mind often about anger, you know, if it's to the lowly sales clerk who just isn't getting it, <laughs> we're trying to show strength by blowing them out. I know I am right, you are wrong, you are dumb. Do what I'm telling you to do. We are trying to exert strength. And Solomon is saying true strength is to stand back and deal with it <laughs> and keep all those feelings in check not to explode, not to have the words of outburst and wrath, to, to be able to maintain oneself, keeping that self-control. That's true strength. Think about that. You've probably seen that with people. You've seen that in the world. How many rare times it's happened where you see one person blowing out the other person, the other one's just taking it. And who are you impressed by? <laughs> the one who's just taking it and not retaliating back. Immense self-control. The easy thing is to engage right back. Fight fire with fire. Self-control. Great strength is involved. It also shows wisdom. A couple of good proverbs here that speaks to this in controlling anger. A man who has joy in an apt answer. A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. To be able to say the right thing at the right time. Uh, is, a, is a great challenge. And we will get to do some lessons on the tongue, Lord willing, because that's in the Proverbs as well. But, but notice what he's saying. To be able, to, at that moment, to be able to say the proper thing, rather than the words of the hot emotion that's going through our mind. That's very difficult, but how joyful that is. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. So we have a lot of Proverbs that are showing us great wisdom involved. The ability to control oneself shows strength. It shows great wisdom and restraint to say, you know, I'm going to say the right thing in this situation. And that's hard. You know, we, I just think about it in my own life. That's why I'm laughing. You know, it's like, you know we deal with some crazy things in life. You know, think about you know, how many times on the phone you just like you want to reach through the phone. It's like you're not getting it. We have all sorts of situations from from working at home, from people who are just nagging us. Uh, we just it's all around us. The ability to exert wisdom to speak the right things. Uh, is, is truly a challenge. Third, it really does bring honor. Proverbs 20, and in verse 3, it is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Proverbs 19.11, a person with good sense is slow to anger, and it is to his credit that he overlooks an offense. That again is a challenge, but it brings about great honor, not only in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God, for us to be able to be in a situation, to be slow to anger, and here God says it's to your credit to be able to have that kind of self-control that you can overlook the offense. Notice that there are not conditions with the anger here, because that's often how I justify it is if the person hadn't have said or done this, they wouldn't have received that, that response. You know, if they had just, you know, it's their fault. <laughs> and notice he points out, the person did commit the offense. Even though that person did do something wrong towards you, they committed the offense, you are still slow to anger. You still have restraint. 
And that's probably the most challenging of all, because that's our loophole escape hatch, is, you know, if they just hadn't been so dumb, uh, I just wouldn't have had to act that way. <laughs> you know, if they just wouldn't have been pressing me like that, I wouldn't have done that. And notice he said, overlook the offense here. It's to our credit. All right. Who cares about all that? How do you stop? That's the most important thing, right? So, yes, we all know, I don't want to have uncontrolled anger. It's to my benefit. I'll just let you all walk out the door. All right, don't, don't be angry now, bye. Now, how do we do that? You know, let's, let's see some practical things. And that's why I love the Proverbs, is that Solomon is very good about that. He doesn't sit down and say, son, now don't be angry, go on your way. How do you do that? How does, how, what does that look like? And so, first I think it's important, he, he tells us, son, you need to know the outcome of the hot answer. When, when you and I give that hot response, that angry response... You and I need to think it right now while we're not angry what the consequences of that response is going to be. For example, a soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. You and I have to realize that the soft answer is going to be the best way to deal with the situation, to be able, whatever it is that we are involved in, that we're trying to get our point across, to get people to understand that this is what they should be doing, whatever that circumstance is, the soft answer is the most likely way to get there. Notice what the harsh answer does. It just causes all more anger. And we understand that. Come at, at, at me hot, I come back at you hot. I come at you hot, you come back at me hot. It's, it's the way we react. We just react. And so here he's saying, realize, soft answer. That's going to resolve the problem. That's going to turn away that 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 wrath. A couple of things that, that we need to keep in mind. We, we've mentioned a few of them, but I want to talk about a few, a few more of them because I think the more you and I really think about the consequences of our anger, that would really help us on a, on a daily basis to try to keep away from it. Uh, it for myself, I often I think in my mind, this is really going to be the way it's going to bring resolution. It's going to make things better by acting this way. And so if I teach myself, no, that's not true, I think that will go a long way. And that's why I share these with you. First, obviously, it's not going to bring the apology you're looking for. It's not going to bring a resolution to the problem. In fact, it's only going to make things worse. The situation becomes really bad. And then what it really does is it builds the resentment in other people. And you and I have to see that's what really goes on. Is that you and I build tremendous amounts of resentment in our spouse, in our children, with our parents, with our friends, our co-workers... When we act like that, you have to realize the end result is we are building up a tremendous amount of resentment and resistance in that person, which is not really what we want, but that is what we are doing. I like this proverb. These visual proverbs, how does Solomon do that? It's good, good pictures. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. <laughs> Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I like that. You know what that's saying? Uh, you react that way, it's just like opening the floodgates to trouble. So, don't breach the dam, and you will keep things in check. Don't start first. Don't react that way. And what I would just say is what we are doing then is we're making matters worse. 
uh, and when we have that hot answer. And knowing the outcome every single time, has that made, made the marriage better? Relationship with the kids better that way? No. Relationship with your friends better that way? No. Relationship at public's better that way. No. It doesn't work out on any level. It causes things to be worse every single time. And what it does is to the people that we really care about, it destroys the love of the relationship. It absolutely does. It destroys that love of the relationship. Instead, we're building resentment instead of love. Notice the Proverbs 15 and verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Notice there are two dispositions that are really described here is that we have one person who is trying to bring things into escalation. He stirs up strife. This kind of mentality, this reaction will stir things up, slow to anger, will resolve the situation. It won't light the explosion box is what Solomon is saying. If you will calm yourself and try to realize that your reaction is not going to bring about the desired end result. And I think that's important. You know, it's very tough, I'm finding, <laughs> very tough with children. You know, <laughs> controlling anger is very tough. And as I was thinking about this lesson, I really believe there's there's a fine line that exists because... I have to punish my children for violating the rules. They, they have to be punished. They have to realize you have broken the rules, you have violated my authority, and therefore something has to happen because of that. But by the same token, I can't allow that to be the, the conduit of my frustration because they violated the rules. And that's a very thin line, but there's a difference. There's one thing that justice has to be served to my kids because they're not doing what's right versus I'm upset because they're violating my sense of what things ought to be and so I react to it. And it looks the same way. That's what's so hard about that. It looks the same way. It looks like we're taking care of justice. Justice is being served. They did something wrong. It looks the same way, but how we're coming at it is different. And so that's why I bring that up for us that have kids to really think about how we deal with them, that there is one way that, yes, punishment absolutely has to come, but it needs to be on that level of the way God's going to deal with us, that it is measured punishment, and God does not fly off the handle <laughs> and, and lose it and become uncontrolled in his anger. I need to be upset that my children violate my rules. But that's not the conduit for me to be frustrated at them and to then lose my control toward them. That's the same thing uh, with, with our spouse. You know, sometimes I think we engage in uncontrolled anger because there have been occasions where maybe we did get our way. Maybe we did get a positive result out of it. But I want us to really think about do you and I really want to have things done in our lives the way we want through fear and intimidation? Because that's really what, it, you're, what you're doing with anger is that through fear and intimidation, I will cause this person to do that. The sales clerk will do what I want through fear and intimidation. My spouse will do what I want through fear and intimidation. Is that really what you want? 
Do you want your spouse to do things because they're afraid of you? Because they're afraid you're going to take their head off? That's really what we want. When we talked about that last week, you want your spouse to do things because they want to, not because they have to. And that's what we want in any relationship. We want somebody to do things because they want to, not because they have to. And we have to realize what we are doing. Deep down inside, we know that we are trying to get them to do what we want, but we're going about it the wrong way. Anger destroys the relationship and causes a tremendous amount of problems with our children, with our spouses, with our families. And so we need to really watch ourselves and just simply realize that it doesn't bring about the end result that we are looking for. And so we have to realize that we need to be slow to anger. Notice, uh, I, I cannot help but bring James in because the way James says it is just really important. Where he says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So in restraining anger, one, know the outcome. Know that you are not bringing about the desired end result. You are bringing about resentment. You are bringing about wrath. You are not bringing about what you are looking for in the other person in their response. Two, you need to realize that God told us to knock it off. Is that good enough? God said so, so stop it. You know, so, you know we, need to, we need to be reminded of that sometimes, you know, that this is not an option. It isn't, you know, well, sometimes, you know, things just get out of hand and, you know, it's the way I am. I like to think that with myself, you know. Wrong. God said, be slow to anger. We have to control it. We do not have a choice. This is not an optional thing. So what do we need to do? I think one thing we can really do is listen more, react less. That sounds easy on paper, <laughs> but it's really something you and I need to think about on a practical level. Is many times what we're doing is just, can I say, winning the argument? I'm right, and so I'm going to win this argument. And I'm not going to listen to what you have to say, because I'm, I'm right, and I'm going to win this argument. And we won't stop talking and listen, sincerely listen, not like how we listen in a fight, you know, whatever, okay. You know, listen to what the other person is saying and understand the argument and understand the other side. We have to do that. And so often we don't. We just want to win the argument. I'm right. The sales clerk is wrong. My spouse is wrong. My children And we just, you know, we're going to win. Don't do that. So... Listen more. React less. we got to really listen to what the other person is trying to say. You know, if we really value the person that we are talking about in this relationship, then don't we want to listen to what they have to say? Even if they're com- completely in left field and on the other side of the wall. <laughs> if they're our friend, our spouse, our children, our parents, or whoever it is, uh, people here, we really care about them, right? So let's give them the chance to speak. Instead of just shutting our mind down and thinking about the next argument. I have people in my family that do that. They don't listen to me. They just think about the next argument. And it doesn't matter what I just said. I'm not talking to anybody here. <laughs> just done on me. I'm not talking to anybody here. <laughs> Extended family. California family. <laughs> they just think about the next argument. They're not hearing what you have to say. They're already, their brain shifted into, all right, now I'm going to beat you with my next argument now. Don't do that. Everybody to be able to avoid it. Most importantly, though, friends, anger does not bring about the righteousness of God in us. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. 
This reaction does not reflect the righteousness of God. We do not look like Christians. We do not reflect Christianity. We show nothing of God when we allow this behavior to continue in our lives. And so we have to quit. Now that means we have to think first. But that's the whole idea, is we have to think first. Not just simply react. To try to put in some mental barriers to start training ourselves right now to say, you know what, that next time that something like that happens, I need to say this first. I need to walk away, cool down. I need to think about what would be the more appropriate response. You know, as we've talked about in our Sunday morning class, there's no doubt uh, that Jesus is the excellent example of that. As we've discussed many times, we, we would react with an outburst of wrath from the cross and have been justified, vaporized those mockers, those people who would say such things. And Jesus showed restraint, self-control. And that's what we're called to do. So think about these proverbs. Think about the end result, that we're only hurting ourselves by continuing in that kind of lifestyle and continuing in that kind of reaction. We're only destroying the people that we love most. We're we're hurting the very people that we, we think we're helping by this reaction. And we show ourselves to lack wisdom, to lack strength. And we certainly show ourselves to lack God. And so I really encourage you, as I'm encouraging myself, to think about today and tomorrow to do better and trying to be more controlled and to say the right things, to react properly, to contain the emotions so that we can offer a Christian response in any kind of situation. You pull your songbooks out now. We're going to sing a song that's an invitation to you to come to Jesus Christ, to serve Him and submit to Him with all of your heart. He is the the kind and loving shepherd who is pleading with you to follow Him and to love Him. He has loved you so much that he sacrificed himself. He came to this earth and was allowed, allowed to be murdered by his own people so that you and I could live with him one day. He's asking you to love him through obedience by doing the things that he says contained in his word. Won't you receive the grace of God today and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Have your sins washed away this very morning while we stand and while we sing.